Hello, welcome to another Venture Deals podcast. I'm Kevin. I'm Aaron. And we are reviewing Venture Deals, Be Smarter Than Your Lawyer and Venture Capitalist. Today we are on chapter 15, a question that I feel that our clients ask all the time, why do term sheets even exist? So I'll start by asking you, Aaron, why do term sheets even exist? Because otherwise... The process of drafting the definitive (laughs) documents takes forever, and then you fight over all the material terms then, rather than getting them into a nice, comprehensive, concise term sheet that sets out the terms, and then you go draft from that. Let's frame this for the listener out there, hopefully the founder or someone's got a startup that they're um, hoping to raise money for soon. Aaron, do you think time is better spent negotiating the term sheet or the definitive documents? Term sheet. For sure. The term sheet is three to five pages. Definitive documents, Aaron, let's just say a standard A round. You've got your purchase agreement, amended and restated certificate. You've got your investor's rights agreement, voting and co-sale agreement, excuse me, voting agreement, right of first refusal and co-sale agreement, and resolution. How many pages are we thinking about there? Maybe 100. I agree. 100, 150 pages worth of definitive and ancillary docs. But if we spent a month negotiating the term sheet... I bet you can get those docs pretty close to final in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But if you spend a week negotiating a term sheet or even worse, a couple of days, and we're talking about a, 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 an A or later round, if you did not spend a lot of time negotiating the term sheet, I think you're talking about minimum of 30, if not 60 days to draft the definitive docs. For me, the, the scariest situation is I get a founder that comes to me that says, hey, I've agreed on these terms with, a, with an investor. They're investing at a $5 million pre-money valuation. They're putting in $200,000. That gives me zero information. Have we talked about liquidation preference? Have we talked about voting rights? I mean, there's so many other things that haven't been addressed. And let's be clear. When we say it takes this long to draft the documents, that doesn't mean Aaron and I are sitting behind a desk actually typing out the documents. What happens is you draft a version of the documents. You send them to the other side. The other side who are probably, if they represent a VC, they're probably a pretty sharp, you know, big law firm who have attorneys who are really busy. So they can't just stop everything and devote their time immediately to these documents the minute you have them. And then Aaron just talked about, we just sent 100 to 200 pages worth of documents. So they're going to need anywhere from four to 12 hours, right? Between one or two attorneys, eight to 12 hours, really, between one or two attorneys to get through these things. At the point in time in which the other side has time to review it and then connect with you. And then you guys got to carve out an hour or two on the phone to go through them. That's where all the time gets eaten up. And then you got to go back and confer with the clients and talk about these changes and or, or these edits or these modifications that you want to make. So it can take weeks and weeks just to do one turn of the docs. Or you run into a situation where you ask the client, okay, well, did you guys talk about, you know, is it participating preferred or non-participating preferred? And they say, well, what's, what's the usual Oh, we'll right. Yeah. You know, okay. Right. Well, we see a lot of non-participating preferred. We draft the documents as if it's non-participating, and then we send them over to the investor, and the investor says, "Well, I only do participating deals." And now we have to go but that rework changes all the, docs. the entire economics of the transaction. Because right? okay, sure, we're willing to give in on participating, but if we're going to give in on participating, I want a higher valuation, or I want to give up less board control. Right? I mean, there's a number, or I want to get rid of redemption rights. There's a number of things that that affects. So, why do term sheets exist? They exist because this is where you are negotiating your deal. You really, really are. And I feel that the longer Aaron and I practice, the deeper we get into this, the further we get in our careers, the more pride I take in spending time negotiating a term sheet and then turning over docs to the other side, or they turn over docs to us and we don't have a lot of changes. 
that's great. Listen, just because the term sheet says one thing doesn't mean that that's how it's going to be. It just means we've thought about this, we've discussed it, and if we get down the road in the drafting process and we realize, oh, you know what, maybe this this provision doesn't make sense, well, then we can go back and, and address it then versus just not having it and not having any guidance on, okay, well, which way are we going here? So let's remove the actual, let's not talk anymore, Aaron, about the actual legalities of negotiating the term sheet, but the kind of message that this sends back and forth. So if you're a founder and you're negotiating a series aim term sheet and you just take the first thing that the investors put in front of you, say, yep, that's the right dollar amount. Yep, that's the right valuation. I'm good. Attorney, let's go draft these things. That's signaling to the investors that A, maybe you're not sophisticated as you need to be regarding the other terms. You haven't read this book or listened to this podcast. Two, you're going to be a pushover and you're just going to take other things. I mean, I can't remember who it is. There's someone out there, Mark Schuster or someone who said, hey, I'll invest at any valuation as long as I get to set the terms, right? right? If I have a ridiculously high valuation, then great. I'm going to get all kinds of board control. I'm going to get all kinds of other redemption rights, make all kinds of liquidation preferences. If it's a really low valuation, we get a super favorable valuation, great. Then I probably won't ask for a whole lot of other things. Well, I've also heard of, I think Cuban has done this before where He'll stick a, a crazy term into a term sheet, and if the the founders don't push back on it, that's a red flag to him. Right. So back to these points of why I think it's important to negotiate these things. One, it shows your level of sophistication or understanding. Have you read this book? Do you understand how venture deals work? Two, you're not going to be a pushover. And then three, it starts the negotiating process, which is going to be really important when you get to definitive documents. So for example, principles talk. Principles should be the take the first stab at negotiating the term sheet, typically. And then before you sign anything, this should go through the attorneys. Now that might mean principal, founder goes to his attorney, attorney goes back to the founder, founder goes to the investor, investor goes to their attorney, back to the investor, and the principals are talking, right? The founder and the investor talking. Or founder says, hey, cool. I think we're close. I want to loop in my attorney. Here are my attorneys, Kevin and Aaron. Kevin and Aaron, please meet investor. Investor, who are your attorneys? Then Kevin and Aaron and investors attorneys will pick it up and we'll negotiate. And that starts a process and it starts building relationships, not only between the attorneys, but between the attorneys and the principals to where everyone understands what their role is and how this is going to work. Because that becomes very, very critical when you're drafting the definitive documents. If we're drafting definitive documents and we're dealing with investor counsel, and we've already been talking to investor counsel for a month, it's really easy easy to ping that investor at six o'clock on a Friday. Or maybe you email him on a Saturday and say, hey, man, we've been dealing this a long time. Good to catch up with you again. I just have this one quick question. Because let's just say we're drafting docs and we're getting close to finalizing docs. We have one very minor question. And it's Friday afternoon at three o'clock. If we can't get in touch with the other attorney and he's not going to take our call or respond to us over the weekend, we're now waiting till Monday morning to push something to push something out to where if we had gotten that answer on Friday, Aaron and I could have taken Friday night or Saturday morning, whatever, to go talk to the client and have questions, have the next turn ready by Monday morning. So the third part of this, why term sheets are important because it establishes everyone's roles in a relationship for negotiating the term sheet. I want to go back to the sophistication element, mm-hmm. which is as a founder, there will probably be lots of terms in this term sheet that you don't understand. And I get it. You want to look like you know what you're doing. You want to look like you've done this before. You don't have to do that. You can just say, okay, let me run this by my lawyer, turn it over to us and say, what the hell does this mean? Yeah. Sometimes that shows your real understanding, right? Of how to use your professionals. Great. I've taken this as far as I can go. Uh, Investor, I'm not comfortable 
negotiating registration rights with you, let me go get my counsel. By the way, if the investor expects you to be negotiating your registration rights or is going to think poorly of you, not a very experienced investor, right? right. Investors don't really care that the founders understand how registration right. rights work. So moving on through the chapter, you know, constraining behavior and the alignment of incentives, I think this follows through exactly with what we were talking, just talking about, Aaron. You know, we want to constrain behavior through the term sheet, meaning we want to have everything discussed, everything outlined. Here's what we can and can't do. Here's what your roles will and won't be. And those things come out through a thorough term sheet. Alignment of incentives. You know, something as simple as not as simple, but something that might seem not so material, you know, what's the post-transaction employee pool? That's pretty typical. It's usually between eight and twelve percent. But who issues those employee options? That could be really critical. You know, we're gonna argue from the founder perspective, we want the founder to have control over issuing those options. Not necessarily so the founder can issue them to his or herself, but so the founder can sit around in the board meetings, excuse me, in the team meetings and, and tell people, hey, you're doing a great job. I'm gonna make sure that you get taken care of at the end of the year. Or the founder can be the one who directly sees the, the value that the employees are providing and the founder has the the right to issue options at the end of the year to, to reward those employees. If it's board control, that's fine, but that means we want more board interaction with the employees, or we want more updates to the board on what the employees are doing, or the founder needs to be more proactive in explaining to the board, here's how I plan to use the pool, here, here are the options I want to give out, or here's the new position I want to hire, and why we need to give them this many options. So something as as mundane as who is issuing those options, the founder or the, or the board, can be really, really important, and it will help to dictate how some of the conversations move forward after the Series A financing. So this is what we mean when we talk about you know aligning incentives. Let's all get on the same page, uh, Aaron. Let's talk a little bit about transaction costs. You know what yeah. a, a well negotiated term sheet can do versus you know the founder in your situation that says, "Okay, Aaron, quick, uh, two million dollars at ten million dollar pre money valuation, go." Yeah, there's going to be a certain amount of money that. I don't want to say that it's wasted, but the lawyers have to be paid in order to draft this. Theoretically, the investor and the founder all agree, you know, hey, we want to put this money in. We want you to use this money to make us a lot more money and then we'll all be rich. But there has to be some money spent on the lawyers sort of finessing both on the investor side, protecting the investor's investment, on the founder side, protecting the, the company. And so you'll get into a situation where probably one of the first things that's being discussed is the structure of the investment. And we're going to say, okay, it's either going to be an equity investment, it's going to be a convertible note investment, or it's going to be a safe. And in that order, you're typically going from most expensive to least expensive in terms of the transaction costs for the attorneys. But keep in mind that just because an equity investment might be the most expensive right now, if you do several rounds of convertible notes or if you do several rounds of safes, the next equity investment you do after that could potentially be very expensive in terms of having to convert all of those convertible notes in terms of having to convert all of those safes. So the transaction cost, you have that dollar amount, and then you also have the time spent. It's a time spent by everyone. And, you know, transaction costs are not always quantifiable. And the thing you have to understand about term sheets or raising venture capital is transaction costs are going to are going to exist regardless of whether the deal closes. Yeah. Because the deal doesn't close, you're likely going to have some legal spend. And that's why a well-negotiated term sheet, you know, we can kind of give you an idea of how much and how long it'll take to negotiate a term sheet. 
And if the term sheet's very well negotiated, there's no surprises, then there's a really high chance of the deal closing. So you don't lose a whole lot of money in drafting documents when you have unclear provisions or unclear terms. But then also time costs, right? It, 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 it takes time for the founder. The founder has to invest time dealing with the VC, talking to his advisors or her advisors, talking to the attorneys, and the same thing with the VC. Anytime the VC spends with the founder and they pursue the term sheet or they go past the term sheet stage, if the VC ends up not making an investment, now they've lost time that they can't get back that they might have spent with another company or you know a potential investment. So just recognize there's transaction costs there, not only in time, terms of hard dollars, but also in terms of time spent. Okay. The uh, the last point that they, they make here, Aaron, in the term sheet stage is reputation constraints, which I think is interesting. If you blow up a term sheet, that is way, way better than blowing up a deal. Yeah. Right? You know, we have a loose set of terms. Maybe we're down to the last minute and we just really can't get aligned on participation preference. You say, you, you know, either the VC or the founder wants to walk. Okay. Couldn't get a line on participation preference. If that was our client, our client said, man, that VC, I can't believe they let this one term get away and say, yeah, this is a term sheet. Not that big a deal, right? We're still negotiating. But if we have a term sheet well-drafted and we get to close, unless the VC just ran out of money or the founder or the company made some material misstatements of fact, right? Or omitted some key things, this thing's not, this thing's going to go through. If it doesn't, then you have a real reputation risk. You know, if a, if a VC, if we had a well-negotiated term sheet, and we got all the way through to close, Aaron, and then there was nothing that came up in diligence, founder didn't misrepresent anything, company's still doing fine, just growing like a startup should, and then the VC walks, I think we're going to have a problem, we're going to have an issue you know, with that VC next time they pop up on our radar. The other issue that I've seen in terms of you know the, the reputational risk is existing investors. You get to you know the final stage with a new set of investors. And at the very last minute, you have a seed investor that says, well, no, I don't like those terms. Well, let's assume for the for the sake of argument that the seed investors don't have the most favored nations. And now they're upset because these Series A investors are getting terms that are better than theirs and, and they're frustrated. When we talk about vetting your investors, that's part of the right. part of the vetting. So there are some reputation constraints there. However, if you do these things at the term sheet stage, you are going to minimize those issues. Look, I feel like we got a little bit into the weeds here with legal jargon and stuff. And hopefully, if you've been listening to all these podcasts, all of this stuff is making sense to you because it should, or you'll come back and listen to this again when you get closer to raising capital if this isn't the right time for you and this will make sense. But the key takeaway from this chapter and really from this book, one of the key takeaways is put together a well-constructed, well-defined, well-negotiated term sheet, and everyone will be better off for it. So term sheets are a critical part of the transaction process. Invest time in the term sheet and you will reap dividends when you get to the drafting stage. Agreed. All right. So we've only got one chapter left in this book. And the last chapter is going to be awesome, Aaron, because it's entitled Legal Things Every Entrepreneur Should Know. I actually took the liberty of writing an additional 50 pages. Yeah, I was going to say, that's going to be our longest podcast. There's going to be a lot of stuff. We'll be really excited to talk about it. Flipping through this chapter 16, Aaron, I feel like they probably should have started with this chapter. So maybe when we're done with it, we'll recommend to people that they listen to this chapter first. And I think we should do this next week in that context. It's really going to be two weeks. I'm traveling next week. You want to talk about where you're going? Sure, sure. Very excited about it. Thanks for asking. Going to Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. We will be doing a pitch competition. You can check it out at pitchamericas.com. Maybe we will live broadcast it. 
our producer here. This is news to her, but she'll figure out a way to get that done. So take a look at pitchamericas.com. Be going down there. We've got seven entrants so far. I didn't realize competition. Nikki was also going. <laughs> she'll be live broadcasting it from here. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> So, uh, but we'll check back in with chapter 16 the week after, and then we'll see what's next. I got some ideas for us here and for our next review. All right. All right. In closing, as always, check out the show notes. You can find them on our blog at VelaWoodLaw.com. Click on blog, then look for this podcast, or there will be a link in the iTunes episode description. Check out our other shows, Three Things, which we have a new podcast up with Shah Zameen, a uh, local entrepreneur, and our Silicon Valley Review that should get going again in the spring. So we'll pick that back up then. For questions or comments, email us podcast at VelaWood.com. Please follow us on Twitter at VelaWoodLaw and on Instagram at VelaWood. That's V-E-L-A-W-O-O-D. And ultimately, most importantly, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This is the Office Hours Podcast. Aaron? Five stars. Five stars only. Thank you. The Velawood podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, and Silicon Valley Review on the iTunes Store. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at